Yes, Benz. Here we are back again with your favorite Ventura Forward podcast. We're always searching for those tasty waves, the hot tunes, fun in the sun, righteous food, and all the news across the 805. On this show, we're having our great segments breaking down the goods that we've discovered over the last few days from a unique journalistic point of view. I'm excited to share with you today. Spence, how you feeling? Feeling great. We're going to talk a little firefighting, some ice hockey, and uh, jumping out of planes. We are. We've got a great guest that came in today with a unique perspective from Ventura. I've known him almost my whole life. We're going to jump into that soon. But this last week, we're coming into the fall season. The festives are hot. Spence, have you had any pumpkin spice yet? Have not. I avoid it. I do not do pumpkin spice, but I shall do mint because it's minter. <laughs> you don't call it winter anymore. It's minter. Minter. I'm into mint for uh, the holidays. I feel like the Austin Powers fingers coming up to my face right now with those fun tunes you're bringing in. I have not had pumpkin pie yet either. We made the Thanksgiving menu this week, though, and my wife says traditional. I say yes. Are you a traditional dinner on Thanksgiving, or do you like to spice it up a little bit? I generally go straight up turkey. Yeah, regular stuff, pumpkin pie stuffing, yeah, and that. And don't go turducken or any of that crap. And there was a guy today in my conversation said, talking trash about the turkey. You eat it for five days, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, how do you not love this? And more gravy. Can there ever be enough gravy? Not enough gravy, not enough stuffing. I even go for uh, cranberry sauce. I go for everything. Uh, Thanksgiving is my favorite meal of the year. Oh, that's 100%. Shout it out for And I love tryptophan. What's tryptophan? That's an amino acid that's in turkeys that puts you to sleep. Oh, tryptophan. But you got to eat like 20 pounds of turkey, but it's good. We're always dispelling those rumors across all your fun facts and stuff. Also going on this week, man, a lot of campaign stuff going on. We'll find out who finally won the city council candidates coming out this week. It'll be exciting. We know Liz Compos is going to win, Spence, and she came in. She's a huge fan of Ventura Ford. Are you happy for Liz? She's up like 250 votes, so she's a shoe in. Yeah. yeah. It was fun to get to meet everybody. We had Helen and Marco meeting all those council candidates. Thank you so much to the listeners again for going through that process with us. Hopefully we gave you some education on who to vote for and make you feel a little more confident for your American democracy and your votes. What else, Spencer, is coming up in your week this thing? Anything exciting? Uh, same old stuff. Got the kid playing hockey, and uh, we're just going around doing things. It's uh, my favorite time of the year going into this, get, get to see uh, the rest of the family. So, uh, yeah, all in all. And you're out, good. you were out and about in the community going to the Salvation Kettlebell thing yeah. this week, the first annual there. The neighbors were out there. You and Colleen were looking spiffy, I heard. Yeah, got the remote coming up, and that is for uh, the Children's Services Auxiliary, where we raise funds for the foster kids. Then we have uh, the City Center dinner with Andres at the Copacabana, where we raise money for the City Center. So a lot of good events are all fun, and they all create uh, good, good money for charities in the community. Yeah. And speaking of another guy, Jim Durant, congratulations. Jim Durant, congratulations. And we'll see Marie Lakin and Bill McReynolds. Will they get those votes counted this week? We're going to find out. And also, I had breakfast this week with Jeanette Sanchez-Palacio, Spence. Hadn't had a chance to really get to know her that well. She reached out to Spencer, said, let's get together, come together. And we absolutely did. That's great leadership. I appreciate you, Jeanette, for taking that time with Ventura Ford and our group to understand that, you know what? We know it, that we're the pulse and we talk about it because we care. We do love it. And Jeanette had the chance to share her passions and love for Ventura as well. So excited to see that. Yeah, it's good. And we had a great conversation with Ventura Land Trust talking about more trails being built out in the morning show. So, uh, Ventura is moving forward in a very good way. And the guy helping it moving forward. And no further ado with episode 33. Man, I call him the Big Red. He's been all over the world spreading that stoke and his love for Ventura. He's a Buena Bulldog. 
currently working with the L.A. County Fire Department, but more proud he is to be married to his beautiful wife. He has a beautiful daughter in this world that he could be more stoked to be raising up here, living in East Ventura. With no further ado, the man bringing the information about the fire department, being in the armed services, Mark Adams, how you doing? Pretty good. Thanks for having me, Spencer. You got it, dude. Thanks for listening to Ventura Forward. Growing up, us friends, we know him as Red. Why? Because he's got red hair. And, man, he used to have a personality like a firecracker. Maybe we probably drank too many Natty Lights to admit together, huh, Mark? <laughs> yeah. Camping at Wheeler's Gorge, doing our fun stuff. Hopefully some of our old friends see this. But it's been really fun over the last four to five years to get to know you again as a man, right? We talk about the relationships we build as kids in high school and stuff. We all go away, grow up, whether we go in a different neighborhood or a different job, or in your case, go into the armed forces and go all over the world to bring that experience back home, share in the Stoke of Ventura. Tell us a little bit about what you're burning on and what you're sharing the Stoke on Ventura, what's happening to you and how you're loving the town. You know... Ventura is just a great place to live, right? You know, I left in 2002 to join the Army and was gone for six years and lived all over, primarily the South, primarily Fort Bragg, North Carolina. So I got to see the East Coast and the South and everything. But that homesickness never went away because Ventura is so, such a great place to live with the weather, the beach, and just everything about, you know, Southern California and this beach town, you know, one of the last blue collar beach towns really left, you know? Sure. So that's why I came back. You know, I almost stayed in the army, but after six years I had my fill and came back into Ventura and this is where I wanted to end up and become a firefighter and raise my family. And it's still a great town. And, you know, really what I want to focus on and what I try to focus on in Ventura is just being involved in just learning, you know, reaching out to the city council, going to the East County meetings and stuff like that, and just, uh, and voting every year. I think that's very important to be involved in this, where you live. You yeah, know? Mark's making reference there to the East Ventura Community Council. We had the opportunity of building more of and rekindling our friendship through the Thomas Fire. Your wife, Trisha, is involved in the community. You guys really care about our community. So it really works on that ground level to really reintroduce some relationships to get people motively involved because we've motivated each other just in the last three or four years talking a lot of bit about public safety uh, unhoused individuals your experience of being an la county firefighter working with some of these programs and your experiences daily we're going to talk about that in this podcast about how you can use your life experiences being a venturan falling in love with our town and then wanting to make it better so let's share some of those experiences and spence what do you think about this, how a military guy goes all over the world, and as you know, that Stoke never gets fulfilled because Ventura is the best? It is the best, and a lot of people who come out here, Port Wainimi, uh, they that's why we have such a military presence here, because people over the many, many years have come out here and say, I ain't leaving. And a lot of people who leave say, I need to come back. So that's the, uh, the great thing about Ventura County. I've never heard anyone who's come through here uh, that has wanted to, uh, to stay. Maybe, you know, for their life. It's just a beautiful place. I've been here for my entire life. And uh, as you know, and as we've talked about, I've never been out. Here's a weird stat for somebody who's traveled the world. <laughs> I have never been out of Ventura County for more than 14 consecutive days in my life. Wow. And I'm 64. And I've, I've traveled. I've gone to Rome. I've gone places. Yeah. I've, I've gone all over. But never for more than my 10 to 14 days vacation. So I've never been out of the county for more than 14 consecutive days. Yeah, I think the longest, uh, you know, I was gone for six years. And the mm. longest not coming back even on vacation was two years when I was in the Army. So I was, like, gone for two, you know. Bef before that, you know, a couple times I was gone for over a year. But there was a stint with two years with no vacation. Long time no home. surf. Yeah, long time and, you know, over 
in the, the Middle East or back at, you know, on the East Coast. Talk about different worlds. My God. Oh, yeah. Can't even imagine. Yeah, it's, I remember coming home and just being like, you know, being stationed in Georgia and North Carolina is just like you take step outside. It's like you're in the shower. Yeah, or like, when you're in, and I can only imagine, in oh, the yeah. desert, you've got a 50-degree change, 70 yeah. here, 120 there. Yeah. Damn. Yeah, it is. A, you, you literally step out, and you feel like you're in an oven over there in, in Iraq or Kuwait. Never done it. Never been there. Anytime I've been in that kind of heat or humidity, I have a drink in my hand. So yeah. I, I can make <laughs> no claims. It's for fun, right? Yeah, 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 exactly. Toes in the sand, drink in the hand. That's it. Sharing that stoke is that vibe, whether you've been here for one day or one year or your whole lifetime, we were born into that. And to know that Mark gave that vibe across the world, used your armed services. We had uh, Sam Camp in here a few episodes ago in the Marine. Very similar. So great to kind of respect and honor that generation, the younger generation that fought over that. We hear a lot about, about World War II and Vietnam vets. But as we're getting home, it's Iraqi freedom, desert storm. Cool stuff like that, Mark. So thank you for sharing those information about your service. And if you want to talk about anything military more, how that plays into that, please bring it up. But today we really want to focus on uh, your experience in the fire department. You've been working with the Los Angeles County Fire Department for how long? Uh, it's coming up on 12 years. 12 years, and you're active out there, and you've seen the county of Los Angeles change. You've been living in Ventura that whole time. You've seen the county of Ventura change. And we've been talking for three or four years now about how to maybe – move the conversation forward to find better solutions to help what we continue to ca talk about the unhoused individual, the homeless, the vagrancy. How do we separate the multiple facets of individuals that are out there? So let's kind of dive into that real fast. What are you seeing on the streets in Los Angeles that's not working per se, that might have the perception that is working? And how can we help that in the city of Ventura and the county to give us maybe a little more wherewithal to be like, we need to change these things? The one thing you have to when you're dealing with these these people, you know, everyone's story is different. You can't lump in homeless people into one particular like they're just addicts or they're just mentally ill or they have a criminal record or they lost their job. It's you see that all across the board, you know. The main thing I mostly see with the people that I've worked and the areas I work, which I'll discuss here in a sec, is you kind of have a combination or all three of usually some type of drug addiction, mental illness, and criminal record, or a mix of those seem to be the most. And you, then you also have your people that, just hardworking people that lost their home, lost their job, and now they're on a street living in an RV or a tent. Um, but the big ones that we deal with in the areas that I've worked, which I've worked in a lot of times in Lenox, which is kind of by LAX airport, which has a very large homeless population. I've worked in South Bellflower, which has another large population, which is down by Lakewood and Long Beach. And I also worked in Willowbrook and unincorporated Watson Compton, which again has a large homeless population. So my entire career has been dealing with a lot of these unhoused people and seeing the difference in the different type of groups that you deal with. And uh, one of the big aspects that you see is the issues with is really drugs and mental illness. You know, a lot of methamphetamine use, PCP, uh, heroin, and now we got the fentanyl. And the stuff is extremely cheap, and it's a lot different. The meth they use now is a lot different than the meth they used 10 years ago. And it's like you're dealing with people that are extremely ill and are can be very violent and very, um, put in non-medical terms, like kind of out of it. Unpredictable. Unpredict you have to be very careful. Right there, that. Let's as we dissect this conversation, the first question that came up for me was, is there any type of classification that you know, like, 
whether you're talking in the fire department lingo or you're talking, you know, logistically within the government, other than saying homeless or unhoused, yes or no, we all talk about having different categories, right? Mm-hmm. It does that exist in your mind? Do we have like seven different categories? We heard about there's nine out there, but do you, do you know anything that exists like that? No, you know they're just kind of called homeless, or now it's the new terms, the unhoused. Unhoused, you, right? You know what I mean? So, but like I said, there's subcategories. You can't really, you know, they're different people, and they're all suffering in one way or another. And you can't really, they're not all the boogeymen, but they're not all like the victims. You know, there's everywhere in between. And um, you do have I my heart really goes out to them because you know a lot of them, especially the ones that have like schizophrenia or bipolar, they're not on their meds. Yeah, you, know, you can't make them take their meds. But also, some of them don't like the side effects of their meds. They're not seeing counseling because there's nothing out there for them. You know, and there's been a lot of projects with like the little homes, Project Room Key, which we can discuss, and then also your regular shelters. But the thing you need to come back to more is you cannot make someone go to these facilities. You cannot make them, you know, take go to the social workers. Not anymore. In the old days, that was uh, a different thing. You could, it could it's, I will say, the 72-hour hold and things like that, but then they're out. Yeah, and is that the, the 5150? 50. Yeah, the classic. 50. And that's a pretty high bar, believe it mm-hmm. or not. And not just with 5150, we go into some of these homes that people have mental illness with hoarding or living in squalor, or maybe their family's not taken, and we'll get social workers involved. The threshold is really high to get these people help or to do a 5150 hold. And um, so, and even with a 5150 hold, that's for they're gonna hurt themselves or other people. And that's a pretty high threshold, you know? You can be a drug addict and be addicted to drugs, and that's not a criteria for a 5150. And, uh, and I talk to the homeless, you know, especially our regulars. I ask them all the time, like, you know, they're down in L.A. County and L.A. City. They're spending billions, you know, tens of millions, if not a billion dollars, something like that. I can't don't quote me exactly. But it's a lot of money. I bet if you Google it, it's a lot of money. And there, uh, there are resources. And a lot of times they say they they don't want to do it. And a lot of the reasons are, number one, is some of them don't feel safe there, which I understand in the shelters. Number two is a lot of these shelters, you know, some of them have rules and you can't use drugs, you can't drink, and they, they're so enthralled in their addiction that they don't, they would rather be outside. Others don't consider themselves homeless or unhoused. They have, this is my home right here, you know? We, you talk about my brother Jared a lot. If you follow Ventura mm-hmm. Forward, we use him as an example about a lot of the story and this dialogue comes from. Did you know my brother growing up? Yeah. You uh, knew my brother well, right? Oh, yeah. And you watched him transition into almost kind of being on the low level of, mental health and then transitioning into kind of full-blown manic mental health, correct? I, I last time I've ever seen your brother was probably 99. So I, okay. remember, you yeah, know, I didn't really see the, you know, the. Sure. The and, and, and it's so, so cool to think that that one example still exists out there today. And it's only cool because it's the example we can have to move it forward. Right. It's not a cool situation by any means, but we got to use that story because there's so many Mark opened with it. It's every individual story out there that these programs don't have the subcategories or the categories to put these people as individuals to offer them the services they need. It's got to be reinvigorated. Spence talked about the past. Everyone mentions Ronald Reagan putting it out of the private sector into I mean, taking out of the public sector, putting into the private sector. Mark, talk to us right now. Are you seeing a current program or system at all? in Ventura County or LA County that you think is helping the situation of these unhoused individuals who are mostly on uh, drugs or mentally disabled? 
you know, there's a lot of different programs. Like we'll have the Project Room Key is one example, right? Where like they would go to hotels and say, hey, would you willing to give up some of your floors or bedrooms for the unhoused? And but also with that, they would try to tie in the social worker with that so they could get them help and try to get them into a job or and, and project room started a few years ago in la yeah. county and so it's been around in, in ventura just so we know we have it going on currently in the city of ventura our crime has taken an uptick since we started Project Room Key. We offered these vouchers through some of the hotels on Thompson Road, and we converted the Vagabond into a full-time Project Room Key. Is this correct, Mark? These stats are correct, I'm saying, right? From what I've heard, yes. And we've seen that from police department has told me about how, yes, it does give some people the vouchers, but they're not only some from the city of Ventura, they're from the county as well. Yeah. But getting back to what you've experienced with Project Room Key in Los Angeles, does it help? And then after these hotels exist, how does it how does it end? You know, it it helps some people, right? And what, it also, per, what percentage does it help? I, I couldn't tell you, right? Because I deal with people for about ten to thirty minutes, right? And the social workers or people in the hospitals will deal with them for hours at a time. Um, some people, it's good. It, number one, it's good to get them off the street, especially in the winter time, because people do die of hypothermia out there in these homeless you know, encampments and stuff. We do go on quite a lot of, you know, DOAs, dead sure. on arrivals. So it does help, and it does plug them in to at least get a, a you know, s shelter, you know what I mean? But with Project Room Key that I saw in my experience was, you know, a lot of them got into the hotels and they were still using alcohol, still using drugs. And some of the hotels that did do Project Room Keys ended up backing out of it because they had issues with um, drugs and violence. and How assaults. long did that take, do you think, for all of a sudden a hotel goes, you know, this might not be what I signed up for. A couple of the hotels that I deal with in Lenox, it lasted for a couple of years and then they stopped, you know, and some of them still do it. We did get a lot of influ influx in Lenox from when they cleared out Santa Monica and Venice, especially the boardwalk. We got a lot of them in our area. And it kind of sucks is because we're kind of an unincorporated area. There are no mayors or city councilmen in Lenox. It's all, you know, county supervisors. So there's really no one, you know, and some of these hotels accepted it and it lasted for a few years. And then one example was a Motel 6. It's on Century yeah. and La Cienega. They had the top two or three floors were just for Project Room Key. And then we were going there at least two or three times a day on calls. And the issue there is, too, and I'm not trying to be too sarcastic, but we'll leave a mint on the pillow or we'll leave Thorazine on the pillow. I mean, it's still really difficult to control people and their meds. You're just giving – sometimes we see it as enabling. You know, yeah. it's just it gives them a warm place to recover and get out. I was surprised about the DOAs, though. Is Are these drug deaths – do people really die of exposure here? Because oh, yeah. they do. Because oh, yeah. we don't really get below 30 degrees. I know it would be incredibly uncomfortable, but yeah. people do die of exposure. People do die of exposure. People do. Wow. And sometimes with the DOAs at the campus, we don't really know what it was. It, you okay. know, it was a cold night. Mm -hmm. You know, it could have been that. Or it could have been... Uh, Diabetes treated wrong. Exactly. Yeah. A lot of these people have a lot of, sure. um, you know, a lot of medical issues, right? Mm -hmm. You know, these people... It, and the people that are, you know, don't have homes, some of them are regular people that have congestive heart failure. Yeah have history of diabetes, mm -hmm. strokes, and they have no access to their meds or they're not, not the willing. best diet, yeah, all of the exactly. above. You got to think too, yeah. where, what are they eating? You know, they're mm -hmm. mostly eating fast food and stuff like that because it's cheap yeah, to keep dumpster them Dumpster diving, right? yeah. everything. There's a, a story, there's a really nice lady. We have a part of our area, it's kind of right off La Cienega and Century, there's like this nonstop, this uh, dead end road. 
and the and the homeless that are there they call it breaking concrete and it's an area which has a lot of tents and it's we call it our mini skid row it's nothing like skid row though trust me i'm not you know those city nines and fours they got a whole nother ball game down there but it's really bad and there was a really nice lady she had you know a lot of health issues and i i mean and i kept going on her you know pretty much on a weekly basis i go ma'am you've got to get into a shelter half your problem is you're not access to your meds and just being in the elements is gonna kill you i think after going on her for a year it kind of sunk in and i think she hit her bottom and she wasn't there for drug issues i mean they're they're really they'll be truthful to you they might lie to you but they'll be truthful like i'm here because i lost my job or i'm here yeah, domestic I'm abuse exactly. all sorts, especially for the women who are out and I, there and i told her i was like you need to get and she eventually did you know she had hit yeah. her rock bottom she wasn't a drug addict she was just lost her house and was living out there and thank you know luckily she went and finally found some help after that last time I went on there, you know. Now, I know Spencer can relate to this, and this is embarrassing. Because of where we're located in Montalvo, we have a lot of transients. And they used to come up here because we had outside um, power. So they come and charge their phones. People would come here because it's wind protected. So I would trip over a homeless person sleeping upstairs once a week at least. Oh, yeah. So the most embarrassing time was right outside where I come in the back door here, there was a shopping cart that was tented, and I walk up to it, and I just like bears, I bang pots. I'm like, okay, wake up, wake up, let's go, let's go. And nobody's doing it, so I'm thinking, what do we do? Now, company policy is we have to call the authorities. So I 911'd it, and I said, look, this is non-emergency. I didn't know who to contact. I was shocked when a fire truck pulled up. Mm-hmm. I did not know that was duty. And I walked up, and I said, please, please go back. I'm so sorry I disturbed and it turns out they, they went through, there's nobody in there. They had left their mini encampment here. And they, well, I was never so humiliated in my life that I woke up firefighters at 3.30 in the morning to come over here because I was swayed. But you don't know who you're dealing with a lot of times. Yeah. And I am the least professional in that area as possible. And I know Spencer with the, you're all over the place and you, you see these people all the time. You know, we did it last night, Spence. I went to Hobart Park last night at dusk and there was a guy sitting on the playground. Yeah. And if you're a guy and you're doing your thing, I'm not going to bother you really anymore, even though I don't want to see you around parks. I get it. I kind of went up to him. Hey, bro, you're on the playground. Just let you know you're passed out on the playground. F and bubble, F and F. Okay, here we go. Hello, police department. This is Spencer again here. Dispatch, want to let you know that we have an individual dropping some F-bombs on a playground over here. Not a problem, Mr. Normal. Send somebody out right away. You know, and so I love that. We got to be diligent with this in certain places, not harassing Right. But to avoid the creepiness. I'm but, sorry. It's, creep, it's creepiness. Oh, no, it's total creepiness. Yeah. And you've got a child and you've seen everything. And you were talking when we were talking before the podcast, the whole idea you need funds to facilitate enough firefighters, enough police officers, enough social workers. My problem was when Cole was a little kid, we were over at Cannon Park and there was a guy walking around, big gash in his head, middle of the day, yeah. bleeding. And that totally freaked my kid out, yeah. completely freaked him out. And that was almost counseling for him. But you look at it, that isn't right in society. When mom is bringing the kids to the playground, that's not what they want to see or should see. So that's where, as you were saying when we were speaking earlier, the rubber hits the road with, are you willing to spend this much money to get this much people and have this many services? And one of the issues, you know, there was a, the Ninth Circuit Court did that decision from Boise, you know, that you can't make homeless and, you know, illegal because they were citing people that were camping downtown right. in Boise, whatever. 
And so that's the thing is you do need to build the beds. You need to do the shelters. You need to do the project room key to get, you know, a bed for every single person. And then, then you can start, you know, trying to tap them into getting the shelter, try to tap them into mental health, try to tap them into social worker. But once again, once you got those bed numbers, you still can't make people go into it. And let's stop right there because Mark's bringing that point up. That's the rub in the road that everyone in society is talking about. It's working, folks. It's not working. Let's stop talking about building beds that isn't going to solve the problem because what we know is the more beds you build, the more homeless people that there's been. Am I right, Mark? The state of California, the more beds we build, the numbers of homeless continue to increase. You know, your homeless will kind of ebb and flow, and it's also like what, what type of, you know, what is their circumstance of being? homeless right sure um and is it because they lost their job because the economy's bad is it because one of the big issues that i was kind of researching when i started seeing this huge influx of homeless in the areas that i worked was you got and then i saw it with a couple of our regulars down in lennox was a lot of these people were, were going to jail that were addicted to drugs were going to jail for drug paraphernalia or being under the substance you know under sure. the influence of substance abuse or doing petty crime they would do you know probation or parole violations they'd go away for a few months i on the streets kind of saw that stopping unless they were doing really serious crimes and unfortunately that was kind of the only time some of these people were able to get help go to you know and unfortunately i hate to say it was in jail we had one one kid um i say kid he was probably 22 23 and he was kind of like a punk rock kid and we never went on him at first and but we'd stop and talk to him and and I, you would see him leave for six months at a time. And he'd come back looking very healthy, a lot better. Back on the streets, unfortunately. But, and we talked to him, like, what happened to you? He's like, oh, I went, you know, I went to jail. I got caught, you know, doing this <laughs> or whatever. And, and he gained some weight back, looked good. And then I saw, you know, about three, four years ago, um, he stopped going away at all. And uh, then we started going on him because he kind of wasted worse away. Worse and worse and worse and worse. Worse and worse with his drug addiction. And he was a really nice kid. He was from Florida, moved out to L.A. and just lost his job. And uh, But I saw him slowly decay and then just one day up and disappear. And, and one thing is cold turkey off drugs due to jail, but you don't get counseled off drugs. And that's two different things. Yeah. So you can I, be stuck I, in a place you can't do them. I know them. In, county, in county they do have – they do have mental health, but also a lot of people that would get arrested for drug use or drug paraphernalia or these crimes, a lot of times the judge would mandatorily put them into some type of drug rehab that you had to go, you know, when you're out of prison or in prison. And unfortunately, with a lot of these people not getting um, charged with these petty crimes that they used to get charged with, they're just kind of wasting away on the streets now. Do you believe that we should make the possession of methamphetamines illegal again? I, I do. I, I, I think all, if for anything, number one, it's a it's an extremely dangerous drug. Thank and, you. And number two, it's like it's like it's kind of the only time some of these people get help. Right. And we're talking about then again, post incarceration therapy and treatment, even maybe more facilities. We've talked about that a lot in this podcast. You've heard about that. Yeah. That new branch there's two branches there's jail and there's freedom we got to make that new one that you have to mandatorily go in a hospital that my brother needed my brother needed six months 12 months 24 months insurance wouldn't provide it 
Okay. Yeah. Insurance has to provide time for these to go into an incarceration area. So when you get out of jail, you're still not ready to go back to the streets, just like you described that guy. But then we have the woman living in the car we described, get her help right away. Yeah. You know, we've got to find these subcategories that we can identify to give the help to people they need. So stop allowing these people that want to give out these free things and act like the people that want to help the safety of the community are bad people. And that's what's happening right now, Mark. And you live it every day is that people are judging the people with big hearts that are supposedly don't want to help the enabled. And that's what we've got to stop. There's a fine line between helping somebody, enabling them, and then giving them that mandatory help that they have to take. Freedoms have to be taken away because they're on drugs. Straight up. Would you agree with that? Yeah, to a point, you know, especially because, I mean, I've noticed dealing with some of the people on the streets back in the day, you know, 10 years ago, they weren't as violent as they are now. And there's, I've seen that, that, that change. And if mm-hmm. you talk to, you know, nurses, doctors, fire, cops, we've all been assaulted. I've been assaulted several times you know attacked and you have to really watch it and i've and i've noticed that just around ventura the kind of the mentality of of some of the people but it's also because they're severely mentally ill and also the drugs are different you know the pcp and the meth and the heroin yeah the superpowers and the drugs are changing the laws aren't that's what i'm taking away from this too the services aren't there spence the drugs are changing we're not being proactive with keeping the community safe and we're seeing the results yeah Yeah, it's a real real shame on that in your and i I don't know what you what you call a jurisdiction or Mm -hmm. are you um like mansions and projects or just and i use projects as an old school term for slums do you have like any crossover where one day you're in a really nice neighborhood or is your area, your my, sphere of influence? My area is primarily lower on the lower socioeconomic on okay. area. You know, it's primarily a Hispanic area of Fire Station 18. We are we do all of Lenox and then we get we have a slice of, uh, what is that, southwestern Inglewood and a slice of northwestern Hawthorne. And then we have half of an unincorporated city called Del Air. Del Air is a very nice, it's right by El Segundo, it's right by the Northrop. So we do have that one area. And there's parts of Lenox and and uh, Inglewood that are nice and the homes are nice and the neighborhoods are nice. And But um, yeah, I've pretty much my entire career have been in mo- mostly lower socioeconomic areas. Is the stadium helping? Do you see uh, urban it's, decay it's going away? It's brought the housing prices in, in Inglewood significantly Inglewood is a city. But does definitely. it increase police and fire because of money they're getting from it? I know Inglewood is, hasn't increased fire. So mm-hmm. Inglewood went to L.A. County in the early 2000s, but they kept their, their police department. So the city of Inglewood, as of right now, they like what the service they're getting. So there's been no talk of another station, even though with SoFi, if you've been to SoFi, it's an amazing station. I was actually working there a couple of days ago. Um, so it has changed Inglewood, and I have seen parts of Inglewood, you know, the housing prices have gone up and stuff like that. Because my experience from the old days with both Inglewood and with L.A. involved the Coliseum, the sports arena, and the Forum, because I go to concerts, and it was treacherous out there, man. When yeah. we were, I, I used to work tickets in the parking lot and stuff. If you were one foot off campus, wow. Yeah. And they're building this Clipper different. Stadium, right? Yeah, they're so going to the do that, forum, too. So the Forum, they remodel the Forum. Mm-hmm. It's great. And then you, so you got the forum, you got SoFi. And then around SoFi, they're putting up it, thousands of units of apartments and condos, I, really nice ones. And then they're building the Clipper Stadium. The Clipper Stadium is actually was addressed off of my fire engines area. So we were 
they were talking about giving it to us, but now they're going to give it to another station because we're a little too busy for it. Because like the Staples, oh, excuse me, the crypto, uh, yeah. the crypt has become generally the uh, area around that has become better because of the money, the influence, the hotels and the like. So sometimes if we can, but you can't put a Coliseum and a forum and a the crypto every single yeah. area. You yeah. just can't do that to generate income. But I was wondering if that was affecting I think in it's a positive way. A positive in Inglewood. Mm -hmm. My area, for several reasons, number one, we're over the flight path of the south runway of, L of LAX. I don't see it. It hasn't really affected us mm. so much. But I have seen a lot of positives for Inglewood, you know what I mean? And especially North Inglewood. A lot of people don't want to live in the flight path. Yeah, yeah so... Yeah. Um, but you know, we'll see. I mean, we kind of joke about it. Like someday we'll, we'll talk about how busy this area used to be you mm -hmm. know, and how it's changed, you know? So hopefully it does for the better. You know, I, I love working that area. The people in Inglewood and Lenox for the most part are just great people. Really nice. They really like us, you know, the fire department and stuff like that. We're moving through this podcast with Mark. And before we get off this topic, I want one or two more answers from you. We'll get into our fun sponsorship questions. Okay. We talked about project room key. You saw how it's been working at the Vagabond. Do you believe that Project Room Key should be continued in the county of Ventura? You kind of have to because, like I said, with the court decisions and stuff like that, you have to have the rooms for them if you're going to – and you had a guest on that was the retired Oxnard cop yeah. that I saw. And, and the solution to this problem is – what he was kind of talking, it's a holistic solution. It's like the shotgun approach. You have to hit it from all angles. You have to have the beds, you have to have the shelter, then you have to have the social service and social services, sorry, and then you're gonna have to have the enforcement of whatever laws that your jurisdiction does. Do you believe the county's putting too much pressure in the city of Ventura? Because what I'm learning is that we've got 65, 80% of the project room key vouchers mm -hmm. for the county of Ventura. Shouldn't we spread that out more to get that going so it's not so saturated in the city of Ventura? You can spread it out, but then how legally can you make someone go to Camarillo or Thousand Oaks? Can you legally make someone go somewhere? You know, this mm -hmm. is where we get back to, you know, the So if you want a voucher, you, sh so you, uh, you, just, you get a I mean, yeah, you have a warrant of voucher, and you, you could say, like, hey, here's your voucher. It's for a hotel in Camarillo, but you can't physically move them there. So now homeless, so not, so how many who's homeless and needs a voucher gets to pick where they want to get, use the voucher? It's, it's getting ridiculous, Mark. Don't you see that point of view from somebody oh, I do. who's I, a taxpaying resident? But so, that's a law we're dealing with yeah. as opposed to something that makes sense. Yeah. So you got, you got, your, you got your loss that you have to. But there's no law they have to have a voucher. There's no law on that. There's no law we have to do anything. So we, that's a know? good point there. So yeah. there is no law to offer them a voucher. Do we keep offering them vouchers? I'm talking about La Quinta, and I'll move off of this because I talk about La Quinta and not. Do you think having La Quinta being a permanent housing, unhoused shelter would be a good idea in the bottom of Victoria? You know, I would rather have it there than maybe around some people's neighborhoods, you know. But, it, you know, and it gets back to, and I, I understand your passion. Trust me, I have it. I You kind of have my professional face on right now. But once again, it's like you get back to because of, court decisions and because of policy and laws passed in California and not just affected California, the whole country is you have to have the number of beds for how many people. And then if you want to do that, once you have that, then you can start taking, you know, the carrot or the stick approach, you know what I mean? But then once again, the stick approach, like, like that retired Oxnard guy you had on is, um, are they breaking a law that's even going to get them in trouble? You know what I mean? Like, is it a loitering law? Is it substance, you know, they have a controlled substance on them? Are they drunk in public? Those are laws that are misdemeanors, so they're not necessarily going away anyway. 
So, so we got to make the laws stronger. Yeah, drinking drinking in public things should be enforced again. Uh, the, the information you're giving and me is frustrating to yeah. hear, to be honest yeah. with you, because I wish you'd stand in that sense to more behind it to think that if we currently have 750 people that are homeless in the city of Ventura, according to the county, we've got 55 beds. They want to just keep building. It's never going to catch up. I it agree would, with that 100. Never catch yeah. up, yeah. Mark. Yeah, and that's the problem. It's like and like. When you talk to some of the homeless advocates in East County, they had a meeting several years ago that we went to. Yeah. And it's, it's what's the retention? Just like with addicts, like, yeah. you usually guys will be try seven, 12 times before they get clean mm-hmm. or may never get clean. And it's like, w- what percentage of the homeless, which I don't know, are just people that lost their jobs that are still working and just can't afford a house? And what of them are mentally ill, criminal records? So, you start getting to the snowball that unfortunately it's such a big problem that it really needs to be at the county, city, state, and federal level. And all we can do, like I, sometimes I feel like that boy in the dike just trying to plug, you know, mm-hmm. fingers. Because yeah, there's really nothing I can do as a firefighter other than just try to, you know, educate them, speak to them, be like, hey, there is help out there. Tap into this, tap into that, you know. We're hearing it firsthand right now from a man putting himself and his life on the line for our safety, not only abroad in the war, but every day as a firefighter. Mark, appreciate you every day. And I know Spence has a huge heart for you, too, in the service that you do. Thank you for being so open and honest today in the podcast because this is what people need to hear, that you don't have the tools and resources to do that, to offer those services, but you're right there. You have the people that are available. You have it, but you don't have the tangible resources to offer them in the state of California. We have the money, but not the solutions. And two things I wanted to ask as we hit on this a little bit before we started recording. And one is, you're a firefighter, so 90% of your work is putting out a fire. Is putting out fires? That's what I would think because it says you're a firefighter. What is, can you break it up into percentage of what? It's probably, you know, we deal with fire maybe 10% of the time. 10% of the time as a firefighter. But so the way it operates in L.A. County, we are in charge of all fire, rescue, and then public service right so um vast majority of our calls are medical calls i am on a paramedic fire engine fire you know station 18 is a mm-hmm. four-man engine two paramedics have to be on it at all times and when we get on scene we are in charge of the medical scene of that patient would you rather be called a, a paramedic firefighter no, call me fire firefighter every time okay. i was a combat medic in the in okay. the in the army as a paratrooper so that distinction is pedestal is really high and you're really well respected being a medic in the fire service it's actually reversed it's like oh you're kind of like oh you're a fire medic you know what i mean it's kind of weird so i'll i'm always you know fire ready first you know be i'm always down for fire first and medical is second you know what i mean i'm what you would want to do introduce myself i always Mm -hmm. just say a firefighter Last thing is, why did you decide to jump out of planes when you went into the Army? So I um, was going to VC. Um, I graduated in 2000 from Buena, and I was going to VC. And then what changed me, I had already decided by junior, senior year that I wanted to be a firefighter. I grew up with a lot of firefighters. No one in my family has been a firefighter, but I grew up around in a neighborhood with a lot of fire firefighters. And uh, I was so I was taking my general ed stuff to go to – a state school, probably SDSU is probably where I was going to go. And I was also taking my fire tech college classes out at Oxnard. And then 9-11 happened. And my family, everyone in my family has been in the military from way back. 
So 9-11 happened, and I just went to the recruiter, and I, I was kind of thinking, like, what job? I wanted to fight, and I wanted to jump out of airplanes because being a paratrooper, you're guaranteed combat. You know, the airborne is always there, you know. So I said, well, I wanted to do something where I could fight and also transition to the fire service. So I said, well, I'll be a combat medic. So I walked right into the recruiting office in Ventura and just said, sign me up for, you know, paratrooper, combat medic. I want to go to the 82nd Airborne. Had you jumped before military? No. So my first jump was at Fort Benning, Georgia. Interesting. My first, uh, my, my quick parachuting story, which I think I've told Spencer 10 times. I was 21 years old. I was not in the military. I was in a bar. And we were talking about traveling. We were talking about traveling. And uh, I just mentioned at 21, I'd never flown. I'd never been in a yeah. plane. And a guy looked at me and he says, what do you mean you've never been in a plane? You're, you're, you're 21. And I said, it's just never come up. So I decided that weekend I was going to fly to Las Vegas, fly back and say, okay, idiots, I flew. Well, I flipped open, this is old for you, the yellow pages. We used to have these big books with oh, phone yeah. numbers in them. So I flipped it open. What do I flip it open to? Parachuting. And I see it in the upper left. And I see this ad for Paris Valley, and it says, you can go there for a one-day course and jump out of a plane. Nice. So I thought, wouldn't it be great if the first time I flew, I jumped out? <laughs> so I did. I went to Paris. First time I ever flew in a plane, I jumped out, and I, I held the picture up to everybody. And I go, That's not unusual. Yeah. I met guys in the Army that the first time First was, time they flew. And that was the running yeah. joke was they never landed. Never landed. The first yeah. five times never landed. Mine was the know? first two. Yeah. Well, it, now, even funnier is in the 10-second in version, what happened the second time you jumped? The first time my best buddy who went with me compounded his ankle because he oh, was yeah. an idiot. He did not pay attention. We were jumping round shoots, so you just toggled to yeah. close the vent. You know, you, you jump them. And we jumped static line. Uh, the second time I jumped, uh, I was the first person out of the plane. The seventh person had a full failure and about 50 yards from me. Mm. And that made me think, okay, what other hobbies can I take up? Because it was tragedy, and it was right in front of my face, and yeah. that was like, I think this hobby is done. So I was— It, uh, ha it happens, you know. My, um, you know, a lot of—especially in the Army, you jump at very low altitudes. Mm -hmm. You're jumping What would be the lowest? The lowest I think we did in training was probably a thousand. We usually Jeez. we usually stuck to uh, twelve hundred. But combat wow. jumps are even lower. You know, you're looking at a combat jump could be five hundred feet, six hundred feet. And that's like pull right when you get out. Oh, it's static right. line, so it pulls. For oh, you. It, so it's always static. And it also, okay. you got to think like you're having, you know, with your shoot and then also your equipment. It's you know, one hundred fifty, two hundred pounds worth of stuff. Mm -hmm. In the army, I was one hundred fifty pounds, so I had about my weight mm. of. Stuff. gear on you and also it's what your mission was how much stuff you're carrying also is it winter is it summer you know winter your packs are heavier in the winter because it's cold and then also being a combat medic you know you have your rifle your pistol hand grenades water you have everything you got to live off of and then on top of that you have your aid bag so it gets pretty heavy and then when i you know i did a several years in the parachute infantry regiment and then i went to a reconnaissance battalion and the reconnaissance battalion we would jump way far away way earlier so our packs were even heavier because we would have to live longer out in the in the it's funny because how big your shoot is when i when i jumped i was around 175 180 pounds and that was the breakoff point for the bigger shoots hmm. uh, they had a weight thing ratio mm -hmm. this again this is commercial jumping yeah. so this is nothing and we were laughing because i said that my dad flew in the royal canadian air force and he knew people who jumped planes had failures but lived because they hit snowbanks yeah, they actually lived, and it was crazy. He had crazy stories. My my second jump at Fort Benning, it was one of the coldest it had been in Georgia ever. This was back in two thousand. When did I go to jump school? It was two thousand three, 
and Friar Drop Zone at Fort Benning has a creek that goes through the middle of it, and it was frozen over. And wow. I landed on that frozen ice, Ouch. and that did not feel good. Yeah. Now uh, I gotta ask you, what are the two things that fall from the sky? I don't know. What you... Bird shit and assholes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's on commercial jumps. It's not a military yeah. thing there. But why do you jump out of a perfectly good plane? But with you guys, there's definitely yeah, and, there's and, a reason. And we trained, you know, primarily the 82nd Airborne. You train to take a key part of the battlefield. So we did a lot of air for, airfield seizure operations training um, and stuff like that. Because on Fort Bragg, there's actually fake airports with terminals, mm. the whole, with concrete runways, and, um, you know, I landed on a couple of runways. Yeah, what surface are you going to hit? Yeah. You know? you know, some of the drop zones were easier than others. Like Sicily drop zone is a huge drop zone, very nice sand. It doesn't have a hard pack runway on it. But then you go to Holland drop zone, and it's got concrete, tarmac, terminal buildings, everything. And, uh, yeah, it hurts. It's not. And then you get cold. You know, I was you, scared enough when I was on a plane, they offered me a beer afterwards. Yeah. yeah. But you're doing it into combat. Yeah, and it's at night, primarily night, you know, and you can't wow. really, and uh, it was fun, you know. And your but GPS, when you hit the ground, immediately knowing where you are and where you have to be. Not all of us had GPS, you know. We just had maps and compasses, you know, old school So you styles. triangulate. And you and train, too. You train, like, you know, what's the mission. So, um, you know, you have your assembly points on a drop zone. You go, you run that to that 70 points and then you go off and do whatever your objective. If you're the main effort on the, on the actual runway, you're taking down the terminals and maybe everyone else is to pull in security for you. And then, okay, after you take down the terminal, you're going to attack a city or key points. And we would take down an airfield and then we would land C-17s and C-130s mm -hmm. right on the airfield that we just took and then unload helicopters, artillery, whatever we want. So that's a lot of the training we did at, at Fort Bragg. Does much scare you anymore? Spencer no, does. <laughs> See? <laughs> Spencer See, calling so him. you have that training and that wherewithal. That yeah. you, and, you know, two tours in combat. Sure. I was also with the Hurricane Katrina. I did two uh, tours in pretty rough areas in Iraq. So, you know, not much is scared. You know, that's and my wife sleeps a lot better at night knowing that I have that experience yeah. now being a fireman. You know, she, she sleeps a lot better knowing that I had the combat experience and everything that I did. Okay. Let's get so it that's going. a lot to take in. It's been a heck of a podcast. We're going to wrap it up here with our sponsors. We're going to go a little backwards because Mark was so excited about his Intel information today. Mark, the Ventura Real Estate Company wants to know who are the three coolest people in the city of Ventura. And as a disclaimer, you can not say the two handsome man you're looking at. <laughs> you know, I saw you ask that question, and, and it's so hard. And I remember you had, what's Josh Landon? Yeah. He was on, you know, and he talked about Rob Brandt, some of our old friends. I was thinking, like, because I kind of knew you were going to ask me that question. And I was like, it's less about a person than I really, my heart goes out to. And I'm really impressed with a lot of our friends that we grew up with that continue to serve this country and continue to serve this community. So hat goes off to the people that are teachers, you know, like Erin Kelly, you know, she's teaches. And okay. you got also Ryan Reynosa, Josh Lake that are police officers that we grew up with. Let's go. You know, so I really, I really, my hat's off to really the cops fire around Ventura and the people that are teachers. You know, I have a really soft spot for fellow firemen and police and then also the teachers and the nurses too. I mean, we all, COVID sucked and a lot of people had a really stressful times and my hat goes off to especially the hospitals and the nurses that really kept the system from breaking down and you know and i don't think they get enough credit and especially the teachers now that i have a daughter and i got someone that's going in the school system i really really want to support the teachers and you know i had i couldn't do that job 
You know what I mean? That's Which is funny. I could I could drag a line into a fire all day long, jump out of an airplane, you're not... shoot guns, but uh, no, full the... of kids. I have one toddler at home. That's enough for me. I, I think we found out what he's scared of, Spence. <laughs> well, you jump recreationally anymore? No, you can't because uh, you, you don't want to. You know what? And my <laughs> wife kind of made a joke. You know, I've used up all my nine lives, so I mm -hmm. stick away from, you know, doing that and that kind of stuff. Plus, also, you know, I don't want to get hurt because I have a family to support. If I get yeah. hurt off duty. I do believe my friend Steve, who we talked about before, a firefighter, and he was in the military in combat, and he jumped. He jumped on his 60th. Did he? Yeah. And he said it spooked him. Yeah. You know. Great names to bring out there. Thank you for bringing back some of those good ones, too. And I'm going to actually shout out one more name came into my head. My true American hero who is currently serving us every day down in the submarines all over the world. Oh, Morgan. Mr. Morgan Carney. So how can we forget the current American Oh, man. Hero? I, I, I laughed when I heard that Morgan was a bubblehead. I was like, Morgan's in the sub service. I can't imagine know? him down there. You know, I remember Morgan. But also, you know, like, you know, Josh Lake was in the Army, too. And mm -hmm. we fought in some of the same areas in Iraq. And yeah. actually, his battalion was not too far from my battalion, my second tour. Ah. And I actually asked about him. I was like, hey, is Josh Lake over here? And, they, you know, we never linked oh. up. But it was kind of cool. And then we ended up living around the corner from each other. He's been beasting. He's a beast. Yeah, hey, he's talk a about, beast. let's get Rob Brandt. And uh, yeah. Josh Lake in a Ventura bodybuilding contest. Oh, yeah. I mean, Rob was maybe already always bachelor, fit. Maybe like Ventura's best bachelors. Oh, I know. Yeah. <laughs> Ventura but, Music Hall wants to know, dude, when's the last time you've been to a concert? Was the, the Pennywise concert. Pennywise at the theater? Yeah. Have you been to the Ventura Music Hall yet? I have not been there yet. Are you aware that Ventura Ford can give you tickets to any show that you want? Yeah, yeah, that's nice. So DM us for tickets. We got the big old hookup down the Ventura Music Hall. Thank you for that crew out there. How about Topper's Pizza, Spence? Talking to a new possible sponsor. Shout out to Topper's, the Yonker family. We just Mark, had Topper's the other day. Did you? Mark, we asked a question here is, what's your favorite pizza? I I'm, stick with the classics, you know, cheese and pepperoni, you know. I'm also one of those weirdos that doesn't mind pineapple. Good for you. Uh, Good like, for you. I'll, I'll I'll admit it. You know, I like the pineapple. You know, but awesome. I'm I'm not too picky with the food. You can throw whatever on there. And I'll we've eat never it. asked this question before, but do you prefer pepperoni and pineapple or Canadian bacon and pineapple? They're both equal. Equal. I'll take, I'll take Spence. Ah, uh, since I, but ice hockey player here too. But I got to go with the Canucks. <laughs> I'd throw on the Canadian. Bacon. Yeah, there you go. Royal Canadian Air Force. He's got to go with the. Yeah, got to be the there. Canucks. X50 wants to know, X50, the high security detail, wants to know if you could improve one thing in the city of Ventura in one sentence, what would it be? I would really like to see the, the infrastructure improved, period. Get, get more specific infrastructure, the how? Roads, fire, police. What road comes to your mind? What oh, exact road? Off of Johnson. Because I, that's where I get off, you know, when I come it's, home from work. It's being done in a few months, just so you know. I hope so, because it's yeah. bad. And that, that's like the first exit in Ventura, and you're just like, it's awful. And I drive, because when I leave to work, I leave very early to go to work, because I I, my station is about 60 miles away from my house, and it is horrible. At night, it's very bad, you know, and then coming home, it's just, that's your welcome to Ventura. I hope they really, and I hope that apartment complex they're putting up kind of, cleans it up down there hopefully we're gonna find out about that because the double l the landscape lover loves the agriculture of that landscape as you look across 805 mark what's your favorite agricultural item in the 805 i love since i live kind of by foothill you know those orchards i love the orchards and i live right by the orchards so i do love that. the avocado or the lemon which do you prefer 
the lemon they smell better Ooh, you know Love and that. i live right by a lemon field so they're right there would so. you be in favor of removing any orchard inside the city of ventura inner city limits in favor for what though for housing you know that's really it, you can here's the thing with me it's like i understand it's private property if they're gonna do that i understand you know it's the owner's rights to sell it to whatever they want you know i know some people are really against change but you know ventura needs to build more housing we're kind of mandated too and also if we want to get more revenue to get a fire station seven to get more police or to do better roads you kind of have to get these businesses and these people to be able to live here you know so i would hate to see the all the orchards go but i also on the flip side know that ventura does need to expand all right, Spencer, we're going to go ahead and delete that last two minutes of the podcast <laughs> because as he is so lucky to live next to a brink in the orchards, he doesn't appreciate it enough. We're going to give him a little pass on that one. That's okay. <laughs> he knows I love him. Santa Cruz Market could be coming sponsors soon. Santa Cruz Market, what's your beverage of choice right now? You're drinking the waters, the seltzers, the brews, the wines. What are I'm you into? I'm real into Kona Light right now and then a May West Standard. Kona Mike, Light. Yeah, it's really Ooh. nice. And then Made West Standard's one of my favorite beers. Mike Morrison, Made West. Remember him visiting, coming home on leave from the Army, I would go down to San really? Diego. And I remember his whole operation in his kitchen at PB in Pacific Beach. It looked nice. like Breaking Bad. And I remember <laughs> him going like, hey, you want to try my beer? And being in the Army, guys brewed. And I had Moonshine and all these home brews, whatever. And the guys in the Army that usually were awful. He gave me a cup, and I was like, wow. And at first, I was like going to sip it and be like, yeah, good job. Sipped it, and I was like, wow, this is amazing. And good old beer. I mean, it was great, and good for him. And that's great. You know, go to Made West. That's a great beer and great company. Right on, Mark. Well, we give this time of the podcast. As you can know, we've wrapped it up here. We've actually given you a few extra minutes, Spence. Look how much we love our first responders. Bonus time. Absolutely. Got to give it to him. Too many stories. Did you have a good time today, sir? Yes. Excellent. Well, before you leave us, we want to just give you a little chance here. Anything else you want to say before you leave? You've done a great job today. Thank you for giving that insight of the L.A. County, what you're seeing out there. You know, as you can say, you would think, oh, he's going to talk about this and go this way. But no, you bring this diabolical side back to about this holistic services that you talked about. Thank you for being that voice out there, providing those first response um experiences that you're doing helping people every day so if you wanted to tell our fans of ventura forward one more thing before you went home and had a good time for the rest of the day what would it be i was just get engaged you'd be surprised just talking to the city council and talking to your representatives that you vote for be engaged let them know a lot of people don't contact these people so they really don't know what the pulse of the everyday citizen is and so reach out go to meetings um read the newspaper see what's going on and then do your own research to understand, like, you know, people complain about the homeless and the situations. I mean, we just had a encampment fire, big encampment fire last this morning over that structures were threatened. Where was that at? On by Kimball, by the Barranca, by the what? park. Yeah. You didn't see that? No, there was a, yeah. there was a fire today already down there? Yeah. One in the morning and I, the alert came out and it was like uh, the mobile home park structures threatened. Are you the serious? The were going up. And it no. Was, yeah, it's on their fire. And I actually drove by it before here. So was there just, a lot? Could you see damage? Can see down. I don't think any of the homes. They did a good job. Did, did, we, lose any, per, did we lose any trees? You think? Uh, we'll have to see. We gotta get them out of there. How yeah. long we got? How long we gonna leave people live, live in the breakups? Yeah. And that. And once again, now that you know, when you do research and understand the laws and what the police and fire you can deal with every day, and you can see like why this is happening and why it continues to happen, and to make change, you have to you know vote number one, be involved, and also understand 
you know, like we talked about earlier, it's like you can't make people go into a shelter. So what are we going to do as but a society? But we can't get them out of that brink, just like we yeah. did brown brink. But then just... once again, it's like, is there, do people want to enforce that? Because it's trespassing. That, that lands, I think, is owned by either the county or. It's absolutely people. Nobody nobody wants people down there. Yeah. And then nobody. How, how are you going to enforce it? But also, once I'm again. I'm going down there. Once again. Uh, I'm so pissed right You now. deal with is um, you might have these people leave right. at, at this private property. And then in a week or two, they come back. And my other issue is, and well, I know we're going to go long again here, but when I was a kid, that's where we went hiking. That's where we played Army. We that's played where BMX. We, we, we goofed around. Yeah, we rode our bikes yeah. all over that. I grew that. up the, by the river bottom my whole life. Yeah, the kids don't have that it's anymore. Wrong. And that's terrible because our parks now are our parks. When I was a kid, parks were like, yeah, okay, because we just went out in the woods, yeah, so to speak. You know, And that's, that's taken away, and that's too bad. We're burning on it. We're getting them out of the river bottom. We're getting them out of the Barrancas. We're using the knowledge that Mark Adams, my boy, Big Red, brought into episode 33. So we're going to close out this podcast. Spence, you have a good time? Very good time. Thank you for your service, and thank you for your service. Thank you, sir. You served twice. Yeah, two tours in Iraq and six years. And as a firefighter, so that's a yeah. service service. Yeah. We got him in our good community, work. and we're bringing him the goods. A shout-out to Ray Fresco for bringing the tunes. And for all of our faithful listeners, every week, wondering who we're going to bring in. We had a great guest this week. We got another great guest next week, Spence, where Ben Kahn comes in, talking about some of our educational systems, uh, ethnic studies, how minorities are actually starting to fight back against what's being forced down them in the school systems, how they can actually fight for new social injustices and equality. So, Ben, welcome to the studio next week. And for now, let's go!